podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hello and welcome back to another Ken 7 podcast. It's been a little while, but I've managed to assemble the Owl Houses. Sorry, Paul. Um, back again for a <laughs> You really don't like being in, involved in that group, mate, do you? I, I think I should have a separate sort of title, but... <laughs> So joining me today is Paul Moran and Stephen Eddie Jones. Gents, welcome. We've, uh, we're obviously in the middle of an international break, which is just boring as far as I'm concerned. I just want to see the Reds play. So um, let's have a little chat. I want to chat through what's happened, where we're going and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, the transfer window. So, um, Paul, we've played three games so far. What's your assessment of the the three games that we've played so far? Well, you look at them three games, you say you get seven points from the three. Would you be happy with that? And possibly say, well, two own games in the Norwich away, you should possibly be getting nine points. But I was really impressed with how we played at Norwich. I thought we did what we needed to do against their, shall we say, robust Burnley side. Uh, we dealt with them and beat them 2-0. Last season, we got beat 1-0. We had no fans there this season. We beat them 2-0. And then the Chelsea game was just a very good game of football. If you watched that Chelsea game as a neutral, you'd be saying, can I let two good teams there? Because Chelsea were very good in that game. It's no good just saying, we should have done this with the 10 men. It's a pity the sending off wasn't a minute after half-time rather than a minute before because they had 15 minutes to get themselves completely reorganised for the second half. But they were still dangerous in the second half. Uh, we was out on that uh, the night of the game, and people were we should have done this. We should have, just enjoy the game. You've not been able to go for eighteen months, and you go and watch an absolutely brilliant game. I know we wanted to win. It was desperate for us to score when it was one-one, but it's just it's just a good game of football, and you've not seen any of them live for eighteen months. Mm, so yeah. some of the complaints I thought were they are over the top all the time anyway. Yeah. But some of the comments about us not beating 10 men, you, you're playing a very, very good team. And you threw with them, all right. You know, we had chances to win it. They possibly had a couple of chances on the break later on. But for people to complain about dropping two points against Chelsea, I thought it was over the top, to be honest with you. It was a really, really good game of football. Dad, do you um do you agree with that? I mean, I, I think there's been a there was a lot of goodwill after the first two games, the Norwich game and the Burnley game. But the Chelsea game just seemed to have put a lot of Liverpool fans on a downer. And you know, do you agree with that? Or you know, can you see where people are coming from? I think that's I think that's uh, absolutely right. But 
the problem is, is that on the two games, I think Liverpool played their, their football game, which was fantastic. Now, Chelsea um, just parked the bus. Any team struggles when somebody parks the bus and they, they had a bit of luck as well. But they, they're a very good side. They actually won the European Cup doing exactly the same, basically. It's a, it's a great point. They did that to City and you'd say City could break uh-huh. anyone down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you'd think they'd have enough armory there to break anyone down, and they couldn't do it. So, so in fact, yeah, you, you'd be upset a little bit. The media have, uh, and the only problem with commentators, they look for something to say. And of course, it's oh, Liverpool, they were playing 10 men and couldn't get and couldn't get a result. They just love doing it, don't they? And um, I think they're a bit, a bit critical because they're, they're looking for things to say and then they're looking at really the nth degree. But seven points from that, I think, was good. Really good. I'll, and we play I'll, good football. I'll stick with you, Dad, actually. The, the, there's, a, there's a fallacy, uh, and maybe Paul will want to chip in after Dad speaks, but there's a fallacy that 10 men is a massive advantage but in the situation that we were in, it's it's it actually makes no difference because they take an attacker off. They don't take yeah. a defender off. You're not playing against one less defender. You're playing against one less of attacker. So their attacking threat is actually thwarted, but the defensive threat is exactly the same and they're still well-organised and they've still got world-class players well-organised, which makes it difficult. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And the other thing is, you see, as soon as, as, soon as they, uh, get, they get the ball and they pump it up, and someone is maybe just on the halfway line, then obviously we've got to defend because yeah. the last thing we want is to obviously concede. And um, that's that's one of the problems. And and they, they did it very well. They're a good side. I mean, you know, yeah. Chelsea are a, a very, very good side. And we we actually we actually got back into it and it was really it was really 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 good. I thought it was a good good performance from us. Steve, I'd argue that we played better when they had 11 men than when we played when they had 10. Would you agree? I think I think the first thing to say, Gab, I totally agree with Ed there, is that let's be under no illusions that Chelsea are a really good side. They, they really are a good side. Uh, defensively, they're outstanding. They're absolutely deadly on the break. Absolutely deadly uh, on the break. I've heard it described as... Tuchel masterclass. No, I, I don't really sub- subscribe that to that, but but they are good. I think the problem with, with our fans is we were playing at home and you, you sort of expect it to be three points. It doesn't always uh, work work out like that. I mean, for, for large periods of that game, when we did go, when they did go down to, to 10 men, I mean, it was a bit like the siege of the Alamo, wasn't it, really? I mean, we were just pummeling at them. And I think that, yeah, maybe it's a little bit disappointing that we, we didn't find a, a, a way through uh, to, to get it. But equally, th- they could have got a second goal as well. Mm. Um, so quietly, I, I was okay with one point from that particular game. Um, you, you know, I, hey, we're not, we're not going to go through this season winning every home game, I don't think. Um, so, all right, the, credit to them. They're a decent side. I agree with you, Paul. It was an absolutely outstanding game of football. It was absolutely superb to, 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 to watch. But uh, 11 v 10, 
like you say, it just doesn't always work out that advantageous. And the fact that clearly the, the, the one man down is, is, a, is a striker. It's always a striker. Mm. You're, st- you're still generally playing against the, the, the same defenders and the same midfield, and they're good. Mm. Paul, I'll bring you in on that. I mean, the, them going down to 10 men, I mentioned, you know, people think, well, it's 10 men, you should beat them. But in, in reality, they just take a striker off and they've still got the same amount of players in a block. So, I mean, I, I, what, what do you think about that? Is there anything that your dad used to say about 10 men back in the day? Well, uh, again, without, you know, reminiscing and it's the Owl Arses podcast and that, no one really used to get sent off back in the is day. Is it the Owl Arses and Paul Moran? <laughs> Sorry, but should we change? Yeah, it can be now, yeah. That, the yeah. Owl Arses and young Paul. Uh, now, <laughs> it, as I say, people never used to get sent off back in the day. It was you really used to have to do something horrendous to be sent off. So, for saying what did we used to do against 10 men, it never really used to come up. Right. You know, and then, of course... If someone did get sent off now, you've got the option of, as you say, the forward goes off and the defender comes on. Years ago, it depended on who you had on the bench. You had your one sub. So you might have Davy Jono. You might have Davy Jono sitting there and Tomo gets sent off. So what do you do then? You know, yeah. it's you just swap it or do you just move people around? Now you've obviously got cover in every department on the bench for most of the game. It, it, it'd be an interesting thing if the Someone we say talk about this when I said we went out on the night after the game. It'd be interesting whether they could do a thing where teams aren't allowed to make a substitution for 10 minutes after a sending off. So you you can't just do I know there'd be ways around it. I know it's an impossible thing to do. But if you just said to Chelsea, right, you can't bring a sub until the 55th minute, like a 10 minute, not a simbin thing, but the team have had a man sent off and they're not really being punished because they can take an attacker off, bring a defender on. Obviously, with a goalkeeper, it's a different thing if the goalie gets sent off. I understand that. But it'd be interesting whether... But it, it, It's another rule change that they'll never bring in. But yeah. it's just something... It was interesting when we talked about it. We said, well, if you, if you had a 10-minute spell where you can't bring a sub on to take your centre-forward off or your right-winger mm-hmm. and put a centre-half back on to just swap it straight round straight away. The... Um- the big shock, um, and I'll come to you, Dad, on this, and but I'll let you all have a chat about this, is um, when I say shock, what I mean was, was, the, was the, the selection of Harvey Elliott. And the shock was it was such a big game that it all we all looked at it and thought, well, wow, he, he really trusts Harvey Elliott then. I mean, there was other options. Naby Keita had played well in the first two games. Uh, there was Oxley chamberlain obviously. There was Thiago. Dad, what did that? Um, what, you know, what was your thought about Harvey Elliott when we did our blog on the game and uh, the Burnley game? We were all, in, you know, enthusiastic and looking forward to seeing Harvey Elliott play, and he didn't let us down. What was your thoughts about seeing Harvey Elliott on the team sheet in such a big game and such a crucial game? I just thought it was. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Harvey Elliott. I'm a bigger fan of his attitude as well as the way he plays. I mean, obviously, he's a very, very talented young man. And he's and it, it excites me that that's the sort of player we've, we've actually got. And um, But it's his attitude. It's his attitude towards our club, which you have to say, with, the, with, the, with the, a lot of the players now going, well, you know, some of them go, they just look at money, don't they, and go, and it's, which is one of the things that I don't like about the about the, the, the new football, 
if we call him that. Um, he's refreshing. He's just absolutely really refreshing because, A, he, lo he loves the club. I think his dad does as well. And um, it's just refreshing to have someone. It's, it's like another Trent Alexander-Arnold, isn't it? Mm, yeah, you know, people that we've got ourselves. Mm. And he's a very, very talented player. And I, I'm, I'm pleased that Klopp has shown that obviously he thinks so too. Mm. Steve, there was... Um... I was in some interesting stats that I saw after the game, which I was quite shocked at. Harvey Elliott ran more than anyone else on pitch was the first one that I saw. And he also had 13 ball retentions, which means that he stole the ball back off at Chelsea 13 times. I mean, you were in the stadium. Obviously, I couldn't come because I had COVID. But what did, what did you think? Did that come across in his performance? It did. It did. You find it difficult to believe at times that the lad's only 18. Um, and clearly... Jürgen has got a lot of confidence in him, which is why he, he keeps he clearly fancies him as a as a, as a player. I, I think the thing that that impresses me about Harvey is that he's always busy, he's always buzzing around, and he always seems to make himself available for a pass. Mm. Quite often in very tight situations on the edge of the box, he comes. Sure, he's lost the ball once or twice, but he's still he's still learning his, his trade. Um, it, it, yeah, those stats don't surprise me at all because he always seems to seems to be available to give a, a teammate an option, mm. and and that's exactly what you want you want in in in, in that sort of in, in that position that he's he's being played in at the at the moment. So. He he looks great. I think the the, the thing with with Elliot is that um, he is eighteen. I, th I think his game time needs to be managed. I I, I really do, uh, and I'm sure that Jurgen understands that as well. Mm. Although he, he desperately wants to play him, clearly doesn't doesn't he? Yeah, of course. I, I believe he's picked up a knock. I've heard that in the last couple of days. Yeah, well we'll we'll come to that in a in a in a bit. Um, Paul, I mean, what was your thoughts when you saw him on the team sheet in such a big game? Did that, um, did that sort of rank with you as as significant and a and a, and an indication of how Jurgen sees him as a player? Well, obviously, he trusts him implicitly to perform and do what he wants him to do. I mean, the best compliment you can pay the lad is if uh, I know he's pulled out the England squad with that the knock that's just been mentioned there. If if you look at the team for say Sunday against Leeds, if he's playing, there'll be no reaction, as in why is he playing him? It'll just be oh Harvey's playing Saturday or Sunday. I'm glad he's okay. And personally, I'd be glad if he's okay to play. Mm. So that's the biggest compliment you can play that pay the lads is the fact that there's no you know sometimes when people are picked in the first team you think oh, I don't think you play him against them or whatever. I mean we did it a little bit the Burnley game because we weren't expecting him to be in the starting eleven. But the way he's played, if, he, if he's there on Sunday, fair enough, he's playing in the first team and he's very much entitled to be there and he'll be an asset to the team if he plays. So you can't say no more about him than that, really. Mm, of course. I mean, the um, <clears throat> something that happened just before we went into this international break uh, was the, the transfer window closed and um, obviously we didn't bring anyone in. Um, there's been a lot of, let's say, uh, negative... Um, chat about it certainly on social media and in the me, you know, even in the mainstream media, they they seem to think that we've now slipped to 
down the league because we haven't signed anyone. What was, Steve, what was your thoughts on the fact that we didn't sign anyone? Were you disappointed? Can you see the point? How does how, do, how does it sit with you? Well, look, we're not signing Mbappé. Uh, and that seems to have disappointed an awful lot of our fans. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm quite relaxed about it. You, you know, if... Look, I, I think that if whatever we whoever we sign at the moment, it, it, it needs to be a a starter. It needs to be somebody that you can actually say, look, he will improve the, the first eleven. Um and, and as you go through the side, it's actually quite difficult mm. to say, well, who who would you sign that would would improve it? We've got the best goalkeeper in the world, we've got a good understudy. And I'm referring to Keller Um If anything, we we feast or famine. Centre backs. We've got five centre backs now. Um, we're, we're, we're well provided in midfield. I, I remember on a previous podcast, uh, I, I expressed a little bit of concern about the replacement of of Genie. And Paul, I think you rightly pointed out that well, you you, you your first choice midfield really chooses itself i suppose it, it's 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 fab it's hendo and it's tiago and and yes i think i think you're probably yeah. right at that if we have got a weak area it's probably up front where it, it, it's it's any it's three from four at the moment and i guess that what is the worry is that if we were to have an injury crisis with the, with the the front players like we had with the centre backs last year. We'd hit, we'd maybe hit a, a, a few problems. But do, do you know something? Of whoever is available for, should we say, reasonable money, sensible money, I'm struggling to come up with a name that I think. Oh yeah, I think we should go and sign them. Well, I'll, I'll stick with you, Steve, because let's have a look at who has been transferred in this window and who you would have liked. So I'm not talking about people who've stayed at the clubs, people who've actually moved. So they were available for transfer. Who would you have wanted to sign reasonably? Cause I don't think we could have gone, gone and sound Sancho and there's no point in signing Sancho because most Salah wants to play every game. But who, who is there anyone you thought we could have added? Exactly, Gav, because I've already said I, I'm struggling to come up with a name, mm. really. I mean, I've heard links with Traore from um, from Wolves. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm mm. not sure about that. Well, he, 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 do you want a strike? Do you want somebody who plays in our forward, forward line and doesn't score? Yeah, yeah. And, and the, I mean, hey. He scored four goals brilliant, last season. Brilliant over 100 metres. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. superb in the Olympics, I think. You know, I mean, because he is built like a... He's built like an athlete, yeah. uh, but he, he he's not the type of player that I think that we we would be going for. So I am honestly struggling to co- to come up with a name. Um, where, where I, you know I'm disappointed. Oh, we didn't go 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 for them. I think and and a- the, the the other thing, I, I, I mean, I, I trust Jürgen. Yeah. I'm sure that if there was somebody that Jürgen really fancied and wanted, the funds would have been available. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 sign, to, to sign him. Dad, you, um, we, what we're, what we're basically arguing about is to, to all intents and purposes, a fifth option forward. The problem that I have, and this is the, I've said this before on videos and I've been slagged off for it. 
you can't sign another forward for decent money. And we're talking 40, 50 million, I think, would have been affordable for us. While you've got Minamino and Origi still in the squad, and it looked like we couldn't move those two players on. So what are we supposed to do as a squad? Would you what, what would your comment be on that? My comment would be, to be honest with you, would it, how many of the other top teams would want our players? All of them. Mm. And they'd want... They'd certainly want seven or eight of our players if they could buy them. And what we've done is we've actually secured them for longer term, which is, I think is important. Now, obviously, there's a problem where you may get injuries, and we know all we know all about that. I like the. Uh, I mean, this is again, this is the the media who are jumping on the bandwagon and saying we've lost the plot. We're not. We've not got anyone. We've got nobody in reserve. All that sort of, all that sort of thing. What I like is the is the people who actually say we don't buy stars. We make stars. We buy them. We look. If you're clever enough, and we've done this, if you if you're clever enough, you see some players, and then you bring them to the club, and maybe at a young age, uh, with with not that much experience, and then you make stars out of them. And that's basically what we've done. And that's what Klopp does better mm. than anybody else. Of course. I mean, what's your comment on that, Paul, in terms of, did you think we needed someone in? Were you disappointed or can you see? You, I mean, one of the things I wanted to talk to you all about is the contract situation. We've just signed, just spent a fortune on contracts for getting all the top players signed. We've got one left, maybe two, Mane, Salah. Did that disappoint you that we didn't bring anyone in or could you see the value in, in us getting all those deals signed for the, for the current crop? Well, that, that's the important thing is to keep the players you've got who obviously, you know, the ones who've won stuff for us over the last few years. But again, it's like the lads say, people should sign people and there's no one you could pick. I, I, you know, all right, you could say, or even Messi, you know, when he comes available. You think, well, I don't think he'd fit into how we play. You know, I think he'd disrupt how we play, which is a stupid thing to say for the best player in the world who could fit into any team you would imagine. But, you know, obviously coming now, he's gone to France now, so that's out the, out the window anyway. But I don't think we needed to sign anyone in particular. There was no one that stood out who would come, who would be a regular first-team player in front of the ones we've got now. And as I said to you on a few of the other podcasts, if, if we play our strongest team, and our strongest team perform well, then there's not many teams going to get the better of us over the season. I know you can't play that team every game because it doesn't work like that. But we've got enough players there. And then you say we didn't buy anyone. We got Canate. You know, mm. he come in in the window. And then everyone keeps saying he never bought anyone. So it's 35 million on him. So, you know, he's not £3.50 from home and bargain type of thing. You know, you bought an excellent centre half. And I wouldn't even suggest these covers. It's just, obviously, if Matip and Van Dijk continue like they have done in these three games, then he's not going to be in the team. But last season, the problem was the injuries to the centre-halves. So we've addressed that particular thing because we had two young lads playing because of what happened. So now you've got an experienced international defender who will play, you know, you'd imagine 15, 20 games this season anyway. And you've kept Nat Phillips as well, which is something we all wanted. And a young lad now can play alongside yep. an experienced defender, which 
can only do them good as well. Obviously, they're training with them every day, so they're learning off them in training, but match situations are a different thing. But certainly the stuff that was going on about no, not signing people, just looking at it saying, you know, who do you want to sign? And they do ridiculous names getting mentioned to people who are never going to like Haaland and people like that. They're not going to come. If he goes anywhere, he goes to City because of the money they've got. Yeah. Behind the scenes that he seems to be able to use that no one else can use type of thing in the financial fair play. But I, I didn't bother about us not signing anyone at all. I wasn't on the edge of my seat on the last day of the window wondering what was going to happen. Oh, well, I'm not going to sign anyone, so it's not worth worrying about it. Plus the fact, as the comments made, Jürgen Klopp knows better than us anyway. Yeah, completely. I think um, just to interject my little bit of an opinion, I think the only player that moved that I was... I, and it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him and see if he actually works, was Leicester signed um, a forward called Pat Sandaka from Salzburg. And we were linked with him early on in the transfer window. And I was looking at it, it was 30 million quid and he was young and he's quick and he scored goals over there. And I, I wondered whether that might have been one we could have had a little go at, but clearly we didn't want him because Leicester got him. I think he'd have come to us over Leicester maybe. So that was the only little... Um, the little one that I thought might have been beneficial to us. I want to uh, just get your thoughts, guys. I'll, I'll come to you, Steve, on um, Van Dyke's form in the first three games. Um, he's obviously had that serious injury. Uh, we're all holding our breath whenever he goes down on the floor, um, <laughs> which is a horrible feeling. But um, he... he there was indications in that Chelsea game that it was we were dealing with the same player that we we had before. Did you did you see that in the in the stadium? Enjoying this podcast? Then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? With around thirty premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction, and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Molby and Sir Kenny Dalglish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists, we'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive, available on all popular podcast platforms, with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. Absolutely. Um, I, I think I, I, I did say on one of our previous podcasts that, that no one should underestimate the, ext the extent of the injury that he suffered. He, 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 he destroyed two compartments of his knee. Um, and... 20 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, he wouldn't have come back from that, uh, quite honestly. So, yeah, my, my heart was, was in my mouth. Um, it looks as if he's, he's never been away. Uh, he, he looks absolutely fine. And I, I think the thing with, with Virgil is, is that it's not just what Virgil does himself on the pitch. It's, way that, it's the way that he radiates the confidence of, uh, amongst the side. You can see in our first three games that everybody looks calm, relaxed, knows what they're doing, knows what their job, job is. And, and certainly 
if they don't know what their job is and they don't do it, they, they get a tongue lashing from, from Virgil. So I, I, I'm just delighted. Uh, yeah, okay, I heard that he picked up a knock yesterday, was it? In, uh, but it was ankle. It was not knee. He, he uh, in, played the, the rest the of the game, game, though, I think, didn't he? It was very late, I think. Was it, it, was, it was it was very late, so he really wouldn't have been taken off. But he walked off in, in the post-match interview. I believe he, he said, it's nothing. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the man's just made of steel, isn't it? Yeah. He, he's great. I uh, have to say, Virgil van Dijk is my favourite player of all time. Wow. That's wow. That's blown my that has absolutely blown my mind that you've said that. That's incredible. Dad, yeah. I know you're a big fan of Virgil van Dijk. You I think I don't know if it was you or Steve once said that he plays a game and doesn't need a shower afterwards. Um he, how have you what's your thoughts on on Virgil coming back and how he's played and I mean Virgil with Virgil you get so much more, don't you? Not only is he a great footballer. He's a great thinker. He's a tremendous organiser. And he's just coolness personified. And other people look up to him. I think, I think is this Harland, is it? The, the fellow who wants half a million pound a, a week. He's actually turned around and said to, said to about Virgil, he's not only a great footballer, but he's clever. Now that's coming from Haaland. So I mean that's he's looking up to him. And here's a fellow who everyone seems to want at ridiculous sorts of money. I mean, he's just he's just he's just one of the best I've ever seen. I have to say that a certain Mr. Dalgleish is probably the best I've ever seen, but then I'm a little bit biased. So Paul, what, uh, what about you? Well, if you look at him over the centre hours over the years, you know, when you go back to the Ron Yates, yeah, I didn't really see that because I'm not old enough to have seen Ron Yates play that often. You sure? Yeah, <laughs> just thought I'd get that in there. Then. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're talking Alan Hansen, Phil Thompson, the people like that, they were obviously fantastic players and brilliant players for us. But I think Virgil's influence on the team is possibly greater than their influence was on that team at that time. I think he's I think he's just the team leader. I know Jordan Anderson's captain, but I think a lot of the stuff goes through Virgil. Mm. And he said like last season, you know, we missed him last season, fair enough. Hopefully done like that. And when um, you know, Eddie said he, he destroyed two compartments of his knee, I think someone else uh, was involved in that as well, type of thing. I don't think he did it on his own. Yeah. Uh, he, he shall not be named, but I, I really do. I, when he says your favourite player of all time at Liverpool, I wouldn't go as far as Steve did with that, but he's certainly one of the most influential players actually on the pitch. When you're watching the game, you can see what he's doing and his positional play. Because you look at Matip, I mean, Matip's been excellent in the games he's played. He does. You know, he's knocking like, like that last week, the one when Lukaku went down the wing near the end and Matip's after him. There was only one person lying on the floor mm -hmm. when the ball got uh, taken away, and that was Matip's running off with the ball. Lukaku's lying on the floor by the touchline, wondering what happens. And he was supposed to be bullying Matip all through the game, was what was said. Again, just talking about Matip instead of uh, Van Dijk, but he's, he is possibly the most influential. And it's, it's just his aura about him. It's just how he is on the pitch. 
the calmness I think he does around the players as well. He, he's just a fantastic player. It's well, obvious to say it. Paul, I'll, I'll, the thing that I noticed in the first couple of games, and it was weird that I'd forgotten, but th- those passes, those, uh, and they're, they're not just punts upfield, they are absolutely arrowed into the perfect place for Mo Salah or Sadio Mane to think. And we, we missed that. We missed that all last season, didn't we? Well, the, the, the Mane's goal against Burnley comes from Virgil yeah. Pinkett, 60 yards across. That was a good goal, that actually. It was one of, if you look at that goal, it's actually a lot better than anyone really gave that Mane's goal credit for. It was a fantastic goal. Like if you watch it, the, the build-up, all right, it only took four or five seconds, but it was such a good goal of touch from the other two players involved as well. I think it was Trent. Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott. You know, you look at that, it was a fantastic goal, but it comes from that pass and the players, Salah, Mane, the more confident they're going to get the ball off Virgil, and they're making the runs that they were making two years ago. And last season, I thought we all got compacted up too much because mm. there was none of that. All right, Trent can do it. You know, but Virgil does that ball. And as you say, people know he's going to do it, but they, they don't seem to be able to stop it. No, not at all. So, so um, just to sort of wrap this up, boys, uh, final thing I want to talk about. We obviously play Leeds on Sunday. Um they, uh, they, I think they've struggled from the start of the season, haven't they? They've certainly been beaten twice. I can't remember what the score was in the last game. Paul, you might know. Did they? What was the score in the last game? I think they've drawn two and they got battered by United. Oh, they got battered they? by United. Yeah. Steve, what's your thoughts going into the Leeds game? I'll stick with you. Don't think they're a bad side. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, Leeds, whatever you say about Leeds United and Leeds United fans, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, quite a raucous atmosphere when you get to Ellen it's Road. So horrible place to go to. <laughs> it is oh, so, oh it's horrible. Yeah. So they'll be glad to have their fans uh, up, up, up against us. Mm. Um, They've drawn against Fernley and Everton was a 2-2 draw, right. I think, what, 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 wasn't it? I, I, I think if we play anything like, we, we should be okay. Um, interesting to see what the starting eleven is going to be. Uh, I mean, we've already mentioned Knox to Virgil, um, although he's, he's fine, he tells us. And, and obviously with Harley, Harvey Elliott, it'd be interesting to see if, if Harvey starts uh, as well. But I think we've got enough in our team and indeed on the bench nowadays uh, to to be optimistic that we could take uh, the points uh, at their place. Mm. But I'd never underestimate them because they're, they're a bit of a dogs of war side, I think, Leeds United. Yeah. And uh, you, you, you're always going to come up against that. Well, they make the game crazy, don't they? Mm. I mean, they certainly did at Anfield last, last season. What was it? Was four, it three. four three? And they just made yeah. it nuts. Like, at any time they could have scored, but at any time we could have scored, it was bizarre. I don't know whether he's sorted that out, Bielsa, but, um, Dad, looking at the team selection, if we if we assume that Virgil is fit, we assume RV Elliott's out, um, what would you... I mean, there's only really one um, debate in midfield, isn't there, really? The team picks itself apart from midfield. What would you go for? I think I would go for um, Thiago if I could you know, try and try and get someone in there. I mean, Cater's—he's uh, back is, now. 
Is he back? They've got him back. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, honestly, could you make anything up more fantastic than than a, a military coup in in a country? I mean, seriously, what else? Be, someone, I saw someone ringing Klopp up, couldn't you? You know, Klopp thinking, "Oh my God, he's injured." So now I'm trapped in the hotel because it's been a military coup. The, the, the next level to that is alien abduction. I think one of our yeah. players gets abducted by aliens. I've heard we sent a private jet out to pick yeah, him we up. Have, we have. Yeah? He's back now, apparently. So yeah. with that in mind, Dad, I mean, let's say Harvey Elliott's out. Um, so you go, Thiago. Because the other thing that we've got is this Brazilian situation. And if anyone's watching this and doesn't know what's going on, the Brazilian FA have basically um, claimed that um, against the clubs in the Premier League, Who've held their players back. Who've, who've basically not allowed their players to be released to Brazil or to various other red list areas. And they're now saying that uh, they can enforce a law, which means that the players who didn't go can't play for five days after the end yeah. of the international break, which would mean that Alisson and Fabinho would be ruled out of the Leeds game. Fabinho's got an injury, so that's that's he's out of that. What do you, I mean, what do you think about that situation, Dad? Well, I was impressed with actually with Leeds last season. And as you say, uh, as, as um, you said, uh, their fans are, are quite voiceless and that, uh, they can make things difficult. So uh, it's not an easy game, but I have, I have confidence in the people that we've got. If we've got, even if we've got a few players out, um, I think we've got young players who've got, who've learnt an awful lot and obviously they've had another you know, close season and close season there as well at Liverpool and obviously they've been signed the likes of Matt Phillips and that and I, I've got a bit of confidence with them I think they have um, taken on the mantle maybe Matt Phillips if he gets in there he would, he'll butt a few I think because yeah. that's what he that's what he does isn't he but I've got a lot more confidence uh, in, in the squad because obviously, otherwise, we'd have been shouting our heads off about about us not signing anyway. When you look at these people who have written, oh, it's terrible. Most of them are commentators. Most of them are, are, are you know, football reporters who just are looking for a story. I mean, some of the stories that come out are crazy. But we know, we're the honest fans, we actually know that if, if, if we're, most of our players are, are fit... We've got one of the strongest sides. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say we've got the strongest side, but we've got one of the strongest sides in the Premier Division. And uh, so we play our game. We play that we play a game of football. We're not we're not as physical as maybe other teams, but and that's where we might just struggle a little bit because I think I think um, Leeds can be a bit physical as well and they're quick. They're I mean, we, we can handle ourselves, Paul, can't we? I mean, we've got lads there who are big lads. I mean, Christ, our, our two starting centre-backs, one six five and one six four. Um, You know, Henderson dishes it out. Uh, Fabinho's a big lad. Uh, I know we've got small lads, but you don't see Mo Salah getting barged off the ball very often, do you? He's no. got that, that core strength. So, I mean, do you think that's going to be an issue for us on Saturday against Leeds? No, not as, I, I, to be honest, no. I don't. It's not something you'd look at as being one of the main problems. I think the main problem we need to address on Sunday is to keep the crowd quiet. 
which obviously they won't be for the first 10 minutes, no matter what's happening. But uh, we just keep the crowd quiet, play the ball around, keep it moving. As Eddie said, I think Thiago's your man in midfield for that game. Certainly because you probably have Mane, Salad and Jota as your three forwards. Getting in behind, because watching, I watch Leeds against Man United and if if that's their back four, I hope it's the same back four against us because they don't seem to be playing in any particular zonal play or man-for-man mark and they seem to be doing a mixture of both but at the wrong time for each right. one. So hopefully they'll do that. But just quickly mentioning that thing from uh, the Brazilian players, I always felt that that was to avoid people claiming to be injured and not going on a trip and then suddenly being fit to play. That's true. So, so this is a totally different situation. And if you look at the arse, the Brazilian FA and the medical people made to the Argentina game the other night, when they walk on after seven minutes of the match and announce that four of the players are basically illegal immigrants into Brazil and the match had to be abandoned, uh, which they didn't mention apparently before the game, which shows seven minutes into the match to go on. That's the Brazilian organisational qualities for you, certainly in that aspect of uh, the game against Argentina. Why they didn't do nothing before the game is unbelievable. But that rule you've mentioned... As far as I know, that's if people are injured and don't go to the tour, uh, don't go to a game claiming to be injured and then suddenly being all right on the Saturday, which is what we used to do a long years ago with my dad. Because someone, I won't mention any names, someone would be not going to an international game and I'd say, What's up with him? Well, he just doesn't want to go. You know, he doesn't want to go and play and we don't want him to go because they always come back with different training and different injuries. So, I don't think that... Again, if the Brazilian FA goes to FIFA about it or UEFA get involved, it'd be interesting to see what they say. But presumably there's a lot of other clubs in that same position uh, from not releasing players to the uh, South American qualifiers last week. Steve, uh, Paul makes a really good point there. That rule is there for a different reason. You can't apply it to this situation, a, a pandemic and and red list countries and blah, blah, blah. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not a lawyer, is, is the first thing. I'm certainly not an international lawyer who understands all, all, all of that. Um, I, I, I was interested in, in what you've just said, Paul, because I, I wasn't aware of the fact that it was, uh, a, it was brought in for a different reason. I think there just needs to be a little bit of common sense on, the, on, on this one. Uh, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, the... the <laughs> What what is what is the club supposed to do? I mean, we we, we and it's not just us. Players are paid two hundred thousand pound a week by their club, okay, and then they go on an international break, which which none of us likes anyway, you know. But okay, we accept that it it has it has to be done, and then they're in quarantine for ten days. When they so they, you, you lose them for another ten days. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It can't happen. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It can't happen. Well, it, you know, that's the situation we're in. And we're, you know, if you, I mean, I was trying to, I'm going to do a video later about the, the starting lineup, but there's so many things up in the air. I mean, Naby's back now, but I was thinking about Naby. You've got Elliot's injury. You've got this Brazilian situation. You've got Van Dyke's, you know, possible knock or whatever. Um, it's it's kind of difficult to predict a team if they all line themselves out, and I'm sure common sense will prevail with the Brazilian situation. It has to, it really has to. Then the team is is fairly 
easy to predict, I would suggest. I, I, I think just, just coming back to that Brazilian situation, I mean, realistically, what's going to happen? Well, we, we, we saw how long it took to resolve Manchester City's FFP problems. I mean, this may get to court in about three years' time. Which is nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Steve, did, uh, just before I go, did you, uh, did you did you manage to read any of that that thing that I sent you before about the club finances, the Swiss lap ramble front? Unfortunately, not. I, I'm naturally not on Twitter, and I refuse to sign up to Twitter. Yeah, I realise that. However, however, you however just see it anyway. However, however, I'll, I'll I will have a look at it because clearly there's source documents uh, yeah. that I'd be interested in. Uh, just, just to see uh, what happened. Uh, I mean, on just commenting on the wider aspect with that one, um, I, I don't think it's a bad thing if we've got owners that effectively are displaying good governance and good stewardship of the of of, of the club. Um, you know, so I'm quite pleased that we're we're not in this free for all of. Paying hundred odd million pounds for for for, for players, um, I just think that it needs to be enforced elsewhere as well. Mm, of course, Paul, um, you going to see um, Burtdale United under 13s this afternoon or no? No, Marine Marine under 19s against Stockport County under 19s. Oh, there we the go. National, the National Youth Alliance League first round of matches. So it's not some children playing in a park that you're not allowed to go and take pictures of anyway, like, by the rules. So they're not under 13. So don't go to anything below under 18, as per the FA guidance, without permission of the club. No, it's a, it's a good league. It's been going the last few years to watch it Wednesday afternoon, half one or two o'clock. There's some decent games. I've been to some very good games in it over the last few years, so... Do you ever, um, when you go to these games, have you ever been stood on the line and thought, he's this this lad's playing a, below his level. He, he should be at a much higher level. Or is that, is that not a thing anymore because of the academy system, well, everyone gets picked up? Well, it's, it's that academy system. This is, a, I say, it's an under-19 thing, but all the players, they're associated with clubs, but they're all part of academies. Uh, like Robbie Fowler's uh, academy, is it football and education academy there in it uh, in a different league? They they play under Liverpool at the Anfield Sports, so that's uh, I go and watch them as well. They were supposed to be playing Bolton today. That was that early kickoff, right? One o'clock kickoff, but it got uh, postponed, and Bolton haven't been able to come. That was just yesterday. So this one is like the backup match, which is the Marine one. Uh, no, just there's, there's some decent players, but they're all attached to academies, right? And they're all under scrutiny if you use that phrase but it'd be difficult for someone to slip through and I, I like watching the uh, I go and watch the Liverpool Business Houses games on a Sunday morning and now and again there's players in that but you say he's not a bad player but you don't know what they're like off the pitch uh, you don't know what the attitude is whether they want to play or not want to play you know that type of thing because it's like when you see someone to be a professional footballer it's a lot more than you think it is, you know, you say, oh, it's a great life and that, which it is. And financially, it's a great life, a reward in that sense. But the amount of work... It's not more. It's a lot more than just talent, isn't it? Oh, it's a, it's a lot more mental thing and everything. You see some players struggle with it now. It never used to happen. You wonder now what used to happen to players in the past, because certainly, you know, my dad's era, 
if someone was going, I don't feel well, I feel, I don't, you know, get on with it. That's That would have been, now whether mm-hmm. that's right or wrong is another thing, whether it's gone too far the other way now, where people can get out of things just by saying that they don't feel up to it type of thing, you know yeah. I mean? Mental stress. I'm not suggesting anyone who does it's uh, wrong, but it's one of them things you've just got to get on with what you're doing if you feel you can get on with it get, get on with it and if you need help get help and certainly the way they're doing this in football now I think it'd be difficult now for someone to not be treated if they need to be treated if I can put it as broadly as that I mm-hmm. think if you get better looked after now and certainly in my dad's day uh, where you would have been told to get on with it mm-hmm. literally told to get on with it whether you were there uh, in desperate need of help or not, like it would have just been what's up with him, I don't know. You know, he needs to get on with it, he needs to, it's, and if the phrase is man up, which of course is now frowned upon. Yeah. Just, and, you know, I, you know, and I think it's the right way. I think, I think we've now, we've something. now got to the right level. Um, Cause it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something that needs needed addressing. And now hopefully people who, who need help are getting help. Boys, just before I let you go, um, give me, Dad, give me a, a score prediction for Saturday, uh, for Sunday's game against Leeds. 2 mm. 0 to Liverpool. Okay, Steve. 2 1 to Liverpool. Paul. 3 1 to us. How many was that? 2 1 was that? Me, 3-1, sorry. 3-1. Full house, brilliant. Look, lads, I've loved uh, chatting to you again. Thanks very much for your time. Um, Thank you. And uh, we will we'll catch you again in a, in a few weeks. If you're watching this on video, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube page, like the video, which is very important as well. And if you can share it on your social media for us, that would be fantastic because that tells YouTube's algorithm that you like us. If you listen to it on recording, don't forget to subscribe so that you can get all the future recordings. Thanks very much, everybody. Thank you for watching. And uh, we'll see you again. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Juan. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.